Beep, beep, Richie. Tis the season. What horror movie traumatized you in your youth? I'm Katie Rich, and I'm going to say The Shining. Even though I saw it when I was, like, in middle school, I can't even see a still frame of those uh, bloodied, chopped-up twin girls without getting the creeps. Hey, it's me, David the Seven. Here's the thing. I never saw Hellraiser because my friend Adam Arlington described Hellraiser to me as a young boy and added in a ton of traumatizing stuff that wasn't actually in the movie. Teenage boys, man. Worse than movies. <laughs> I am Matt Patches, and I'm going to go with Jason Goes to Hell which scared me in poster form. No, like video cassette uh, cover art form. And then for some reason, as a young boy, I was able to procure it and watch it and traumatize myself. Uh, and I'm David Ehrlich, and I'm going to go with a film I've also never seen, uh, nor do I remember who directed it. It was the adaptation of Stephen King's Sleepwalkers, and I remember being so terrified of the commercials that I would have to run out of the room whenever they played. Uh, I've seen enough of the movie since to know that it is just like Z-grade horrific trash. That uh, isn't frightening in the least, but what are you going to do? And I didn't know we could say movies we hadn't seen. I would have gone with Candyman. Well, me. this, I mean, it legitimately... Are you amending yourself right now? No, I'm just, no, I just, like, I just remember that stuck with me as being something that I was scared of that I never, I never saw that movie. I don't even know what it's about. Oh, man, it's a good one, but later. It's a, also, it actually pul- is really good. Like, it's a legitimately really? good movie beyond The horror. first one. Isn't there a second yeah. one that's what, lesser? Oh, there's like eight. Okay, yeah, the first Candyman's good. Gentlemen, you can't fight in here. This is the war room. So... You want to visit a haunted house, hmm? I think I have one that should suit you. That is, if you dare follow me. You will? Fine. Shall we go then? Ah, here we are at the door. Happy haunting. Hello and welcome to Fighting in the War Room, episode 46 for Tuesday, October 28th, 2014, otherwise known as the Spooktacular Fighting in the War Room. <laughs> Ooh, a darkness falls across the land, the midnight hours close at hand. Are we so, just going to redo the thriller video right now? I'm into that. We could, but I feel like we also have other things to do. Thriller. Shot for shot remake of Thriller next year's Halloween. Maybe, anyway. Maybe our listeners have something to do. Yeah, well, uh, we don't have any reviews to read this week. That's the spookiest part of all of the spooktacular. So uh, <laughs> if you don't leave a review, David Ehrlich will uh, die and then personally haunt you. And uh, Wow. I think, I think you... some of our listeners would be okay with at least half of that. But which half? <laughs> no, because every time they love a movie, you would come out from behind the movie And it would be like, be eh, like no. not that great. <laughs> this is lesser. Tarkovsky did it better. <laughs> Tarkovsky uh, did do it better. All right. He did. That's true. <laughs> So anyway, leave us some reviews, and uh, maybe you'll get that thriller or shot-for-shot remake you've been clamoring for all this time. everybody it's me dave i'm here to talk about american horror story like i do because i'm a big fan of this show created by ryan murphy and brad falchuk 
who also do things like Glee. And I was a big fan of Glee for the first season for a big reason that I'm a fan of the American Horror Story, which is it's sort of like pop culture mashup super fun hour that doesn't take itself too seriously. But whereas Glee plunged into the dark second season of making Kirk this gay man that we had to lift up and forgive for all of our own sins. Kirk? American Horror Story. Kirk. Captain Kirk? Kurt. Kirk from Kirk. Gilmore Girls? Also Captain Kirk. <laughs> anyway. Are we talking, talking about the Gilmore Girls? Some... Never. No. 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 You can go back to sleep, David. All right, goodbye. Yeah. Um, American Horror Story has an anthology format, which means that each season is a different setting with uh, the same cast of very interesting people, uh, except not Connie Britton anymore. She was only in the first season. Uh, this season is called Freak Show. It'll be Jessica Lange's last season, is rumored. Uh, so she runs uh, a freak show in Jupiter, Florida in 1952. Uh, she is a I feel like that's legless... somewhat redundant. Florida. You had me. That's what, what more... What more do you need? Yeah, they were going to also... go with American Horror Story Florida, but then they decided to go with Freak Show <laughs> to make it a little more obvious Florida. to the international audience. <laughs> yes, um, and wow. it's one of the last yes. surviving Freak Shows in this time period of 1952, I think, Coney Island and this fictional Freak Show in Jupiter, Florida. So we sort of see the last vestige of the Freaks. Um, it seems to start off, uh, unlike last season's witch sort of girl power theme, there where people were unable to stay dead. This one seems to have the theme of we're the real freaks, us suburban weirdos, upper white middle class people, except maybe for this creepy clown named Twisty who is walking around stalking people and killing them. Those seem to be the main plots of American Horror Story Freak Show. I don't want to get too far into it. We're halfway through a Halloween two-parter when this episode posts. Um, it'll continue with part two on Wednesday on FX. Has anybody else seen American Horror Story Freak Show? Literally me? never, and I, I never have. will. <laughs> Wait, I watched. So I watched my first ever episode of the entire series. I watched the uh, premiere of this. Me season. too. Oh, oh I want to hear what you me guys too. think then, because so, I've been trying to get people to watch this show for ever since it started. So I enjoyed kind of the ridiculousness of it. Like I think Jessica Lange is fantastic, and you know her performing as David Bowie is amazing and sarah paulson doing this like super like crazy overboiled performance as these twins is amazing like i get i like the camp elements of it uh twisty the clown i i honestly don't know if i could continue watching the show entirely because of that character because it freaked me out so much um but i do like i wonder how i could stay invested in the show when it doesn't feel like anything is real and everyone's just kind of having fun i don't get what would make me like care about anything that's going on? Well, it's going to be over in like eight stuff. episodes. I think that's the point, right? You don't need that much story to get through eight episodes of television, especially when it's so image heavy and you have so many characters going at once. Like it doesn't really matter what happens as long as it can pay off all the weirdness, which yeah. it seems to be doing. But I, can, again, but this is my first episode. Of it's American more like story something. Well. I think so. Yeah, it's more like a you know a. VHS viral sort of thing where it's riffing on a whole bunch of different tropes from horror and it has this abbreviated season so everybody could be in jeopardy but I don't know that I've ever approached an American horror story character and been like you you're my hero I'm going to be spending time with you and caring about you it's more does, like go ahead does the, does the atmosphere run the entire thing like is there enough atmosphere to propel you through however many episodes there are 
I think so. It's like they end, uh, they move through plot fast enough with the exception of the third season, which that might be just in my opinion. But what attracted me to the show uh, initially was that we didn't know it was an anthology show and they started killing people off, like main characters off. And it seemed like, you know, one week Connie Britton was eat- eating brains and the next week she was being stalked by this guy in a rubber suit that might be a ghost and, like, the next week we figured out that her daughter had been a ghost for, like, four weeks and we all weren't on, in on the secret. And so it's more about the uh, – it, it, it is like a mixtape. You're not going to get full, uh, I, I don't think, satisfaction like you would if you saw, like, a well-executed horror movie. Uh, a lot of things in the first season directly ripped off things uh, from horror movies. Like, there was a scene where a woman got stabbed in the back and they ripped the psycho strings immediately – there was the uh, ball coming out of the darkness from the movie The, the Changeling. Uh, so sometimes their nods are a little bit more rip-off-y, but as the seasons progress, it's become more winky with things like having David Bowie exist in this uh, German character's mind in 1952. Well, see, I, I appreciate that it doesn't have so much <laughs> plot or as much as stop it. Um, <laughs> oh, God. Um, I, oh, I thought I thought there was an emphasis on that because we have moved purely into self-parody. No, so, there wasn't. That was just natural. That's just how. F okay. you. <laughs> um, I enjoy American Horror Story Freak Show. Be, uh, more, I, I just saw this movie Jezebel, which I'm not sure. I didn't check my embargo, so I'm not sure how much I could say. But just like there's the, there's such a homogeny to the horror movies that I see, uh, or the ones I have to see for review. Uh, you rarely see something that ends up being just image heavy. You know, David and I saw kind of a horror movie at uh, Toronto, uh, Duke of Burgundy. Uh, would you call that a horror movie, David? No, but I can understand. I mean, but the I giallo, right, right, right. The giallo ness of it makes it just really dreamlike and kind of scary or off kilter and very heavy on the imagery. Um, and you don't get that with American horror films very often. They end up being plot-driven. And I appreciated this first episode of Freak Show because it was just like throwing all sorts of crazy images or like, why is this clown murdering people? It doesn't really matter because it's uh, his smile is so crazy, his stabbing is so wild. And then you cut to the two-headed woman. And you're like, what the fuck is going on? It does, but it doesn't matter because it's, it's absorbing on a visceral level. Uh, what annoys me about this first episode is how it seems to slide into the tropes that make American horror films so annoying, a.k.a. the jump scares. There's still all this clanging music and jump scare nonsense. And it doesn't seem to have to do that because it can get away with such unsettling imagery. It's so well, violent, too. Like, but it how could, can this it could be do on television? So well, violent. The thing is, though, it could do well. Yeah, it's very violent, but it could do both with like the jump scare. Whereas in that first episode, you also have Jessica Lange's huge monologue while the uh, uh, opium porno film is playing behind her, right. behind, which is just uh, Mamie Gummer. Yeah, which is just no, not like, Mamie Gummer. Oh, no, another Gummer. The other Gummer, Gummer, the younger Gummer. The other one. Was that one supposed to newsroom. be like Freaks, the thirty-two, nineteen thirty-two film? Was that? A- I mean, a little bit. They've already had a, like a one of us esque chant that's how i think like episode Mm. two starts so but it just like that's a slow dread on the back of a hammy performance which is very traditionally american horror from like the old school style so having that slammed up against something where like the actor that plays twisty the clown also played like the zodiac killer in 
Zodiac for David Fincher. Oh, I Fincher. love that. Well, maybe. He was on Drew Carey's show, too. <laughs> maybe. There's no, no, no knowing the truth, David. And okay, if the I person, were the Zodiac killer. The person I'd... in the field in that movie was also the clown <laughs> in the field in this movie, is what I'm saying. And that's not a mistake. That's the sort of mixtape thing American what? Horror Story can be. That's a that's a job. Who you would never be able to tell it's no. Him. That's definitely no, but that's definitely that sh- that scene is shot as I mean everyone who sees it knows that it's a lift from Zodiac, and I think it's okay to be an homage in that way. I mean, and, even, and if you know it's the same actor, it's like an extra bonus. That's weird because you're okay. I agree. I actually did think about Zodiac because of that long wide shot with ever with them. What it's that lovely couple eating, feeding food to each other at a picnic setting. And I did think about Zodiac, but I had no idea it was the guy from Zodiac as the clown. No, How I didn't the, either. The homage doesn't work unless you have like no, really deep knots. Totally, I knew. Okay. The homage totally works because you recognize it as being a nod to the movie with, without knowing who the actor is. What's Yeah, and I, it, it, I mean, it's, it's, it's there to give you, I guess, like, let's see, okay, this is an interesting question. Not knowing that and now knowing that, are you more interested in American <laughs> Horror Story I, that it could it is doing that? I'm unchanged. That does not that's not what's sucking me into this first episode. I think what does work for me here is and this again goes to this kind of like sameness in American horror, which is they all take place in the same location, in the same setting to me. Like all movies or all horror movies are contemporary teenagers it's all the same here just being in the 50s and with all this weirdness in florida we we owe such apologies to the people of florida uh no we don't that's, that's all apologies. it takes no we we owe apologies to the people of the ozarks for our uh gongo review but i i do not feel as if we owe apologies to the people of florida <laughs> well, <okay>. i've <laughs> i have spent enough time in florida due to family to i feel i've earned the right is it as scary as it looks? Yeah, it's worse than it looks. <laughs> it's oh a terrible, terrible place. Uh, um, so yeah, Dave, it gained something from that setting, I think. Dave, you know what? This is encouraging me to do, and I promise it makes sense. Um, it makes me more interested in Hannibal, which mm-hmm. is a show that I wasn't interested in, again, because I'm not really that into gore or horror. But people had talked so much about how beautiful Hannibal was, and then American Horror Story is the same thing. And watching that episode and seeing how gorgeous it was, I'm now I'm like, maybe I can put up with something I'm kind of squeamish about on television because, like you were saying, like it looks so unlike anything else on TV in terms of composition and attention Yeah, to but detail, it feels really like everything like else on TV. That's the problem with Hannibal. I'm, I have not caught up, so I'm a fan I haven't watched Hannibal at all. So. But I, okay, well, we need to all do Hannibal together because <laughs> that, I think, is super interesting from an adaptation reason. But, yes, I'm glad you guys are slowly coming around to American Horror Story. Maybe you guys will come around before it gets canceled. I don't know if I'd get... You think it's going to get really? canceled? Well, it's I don't know. Hit, you guys are just notoriously slow. Patches hasn't seen Buffy. I've been on him for like four years about it. I know. I haven't seen Buffy. Do you think I should go back to. and watch any of the other seasons of American Horror Story based on what I like about Freak Show? Well, one and two are both on Netflix. Uh, one is called Murder House, and it takes place in 2007, I believe. And has a lot of wacky performances um, from these characters. And then the second season is called Asylum and takes place in the 60s in a mental ward and is much more intense and graphic and is less, is much more dark with its set, darker with its sense of humor than the first season. So if, uh, and then the third season I don't think is available anywhere easily to stream, but I'm sure you could buy it. It's called Coven. It's about witches. And it is so light that Stevie Nicks plays Stevie Nicks in like four episodes because she's <laughs> a head witch. So I feel like you could, you could engage this show on any degree of horror that you like. But if you really like intense stuff, uh, I would go for season two. And just an introduction, I would go for season one. 
and America's panic over the Ebola virus, I thought I would find a way to make that into trivia because trivia is fun and panicking is not. So here is what I call disaster piece. It's probably in bad taste. Here are the rules. These are all based on American tragedies. They're all pop culture related (laughs) and they all took place within 100 years of today. You will each get two questions and then there'll be a tie-breaking round if we need it. Wait, you're, is there a pop culture element to this, or is this just history? Yeah, there's a, oh, you will see. Katie. Okay, all right. You're, all right, you're second. Jump in the Pat, gun. I want to ask any questions. Patches is going to go first. You guys will get it. The first round is slightly easier than the second round. So here we go. Patches. Mm. This 2010 movie could have been called Never Forget if it wouldn't have given away the ridiculous ending. Oh, Remember Me. That Robert is correct. I didn't, nice. give, I didn't give listeners enough time to think of that one. I apologize. but No, you'd be proud of having seen that movie. Uh, yeah. I know I am. I, I live with the guilt of <laughs> regret. All right. Katie. Okay. During NBC's concert for Hurricane Relief, Kanye West told America, George Bush doesn't care about black people, next to a very awkward-looking Mike Myers. Who did NBC cut away to? Oh, Jesus. I remember Mike Myers. I don't remember who they cut away to. It was like, was it Bob Costas? No, it was Chris Tucker. Oh, that's right. Wow, what was he like looking completely shell shocked? <laughs> I, mean, I mean, he was Rush just Hour a star. Was still happening. Yeah, no, I mean, what was Mike Myers? What was Mike Myers promoting? Probably the Love to... Guru. No, I mean, I it wasn't so. the Love Guru. No, I know they weren't promoting They're... anything. They were trying to promote. You know, Hurricane saving, about saving the displaced That's people naive. of Hurricane Katrina. Of course they're promoting something. Oh, my God. Oh, okay. Oh. You guys are making this in bad taste. The questions are fine. <laughs> Florida. David. Yeah. <clears throat> the Outcast song Bombs Over Baghdad was Bombs released over ba- yeah. three years before George W. Bush that. began the invasion of Iraq, putting its release in what year? Jesus. Three years before he began the invasion of Iraq. Uh, well, the invasion would be two... Blah, blah, blah. 1999. That is incorrect. It is 2000. Whew. Close though. It's 2003. We March 2003. We began the invasion of Iraq. It wasn't. True. It wasn't March 2012. Uh, 2002. No, we started bombing Afghanistan in 2000. Oh, that's right. That's yeah, those bombs right. weren't over Baghdad. I've been thinking all, all right. day about Libya, so I'm completely in the wrong place. <laughs> Patches. This one is uh, because I feel bad about our last quarter quell. Wow. The Wicca. The Wikipedia page for feature films about Japanese internment camps lists 11 films <laughs> released between 1951 and 2007. Name one. Like, um, uh, these are American, uh, American Japanese internment camps? Yes. Um, is my film on there? No. Um, God. What? Let's see. Japanese actors. I'm going to give you 60 seconds starting um, now. Oh, my gosh. Uh, World War II films, probably. Uh, I have absolutely no idea. I cannot guess anything. Say hello to me, Wajima. No. No. I know. I know. I, I, Snow I, falling on cedars. Yes. No. Wait, that, what? really? I thought that yes. took place. That's what that movie's about? Yes. I didn't know that was in America. Yes. Uh. 
All right, the the, the complete list Scott are Hicks, American right? Pastime from 2007, Bad Day at Black Rock from 1955, Come See the Paradise from 1990, A Day of Independence from 2003, Farewell to Man Manazar from 1976. I probably butchered that title. Forgotten Valor from 2001, Go for Broke from 1951. That would be the earliest. Hell to Eternity from 1960, If Tomorrow Comes from 1971, Snow Falling on Cedars from mm, 1999, and Strawberry Fields from 1997. Wikipedia, please put these in chronological order. You can probably toggle that. so much easier. You can change nope. the order of those lists usually. I mean, look, Patches, don't tell me how to use the internet. <laughs> Katie. <laughs> yes. December 1941, Pearl Harbor is bombed, and also we cap a year where every number one song for every week on the Billboard charts all year was by a band named Blank Blank and His Orchestra. Which one of these orchestras had the number one song with Chattanooga Choo Choo when Pearl Harbor was attacked? A. Jimmy Dorsey and His Orchestra. B. Artie Shaw and His Orchestra. C. Glenn Miller and His Orchestra. D. Freddie Martin and his orchestra, or E, Sammy Kay and his orchestra. Oh, my God. That's so many easy ones. Uh, what was the first one you said? Jimmy, Jimmy Dorsey? Dorsey and his orchestra. I was going to say Glenn Miller, but I feel like that's too obvious. So I'm going to go with Jimmy Dorsey. Wait, can I you get, sh- is she right or wrong? Did you overthink myself? You overthought yourself. It's Glenn oh, Miller. Oh, it's Glenn oh. Miller. Damn it. <laughs> wah, wah. David. Yeah. On June 22nd, 2001, this musical artist's Guns, God, and Government tour returned to the state where in 1999 he was publicly scapegoated for a school shooting, even though no one could prove that the shooters were fans of his music. Say that again? (laughs) On June 22nd, 2001, this musical artist's Guns, God, and Government tour returned to the state where in 1999 he was publicly scapegoated for a school shooting, even though no one could prove that the shooters were fans of his music. Marilyn Manson. That is correct. Damn it. All right. So Patches and David are tied with one correct answer. But Katie, you could come back in our tiebreaker round. You each are going to get two (laughs) rounds of 30 seconds. Whoa. Here's the category. September 2001, 37 movies were released. Five (laughs) movies were postponed because of the attacks on the Pentagon and the World Trade Center. One movie was outright canceled. You get one point for each movie that was released in September 2001. Two points if you could name any of the postponed movies, and three points if you could name the canceled movie's title or star. Do we just yell them out? No, you're each going to get two rounds of 30 seconds. Oh, God. I'm never going to Starting with you, Patches. Oh, my God. Right now. What what are the three categories again? Any movie released in September 2001, one point. Two points for anything postponed by the attacks, and three points for canceled movie stars or title. Collateral damage. Yes, um, that was postponed. uh, Big Trouble. That was also postponed. Yes. Um, wow. Uh, Harry Wait, Potter. What is Big Trouble? No. Oh, Harry, no, Potter, Harry Potter, was Potter didn't come out. The next it month was, was that October. Um, um, uh, 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 September two thousand. Thirty oh. seconds is up. Oh wow, that was and well. I got two. Okay, there you go. Big you Trouble did. is Tim two. Allen, uh, where he has those big gloves. I don't. That know. is true. Barry Levin. Yep. Barry Levinson film, I think. Well, hold on. Let me get down to my little research for this thing. Big <laughs> Trouble was postponed because it involved a nuclear bomb being smuggled on board an aircraft. Yes. Wow. There you go, everybody. You're learning. Katie, you get yeah. 30 seconds starting now. Uh, glitter, obviously. Yes, that's one point. Ooh. Um, There was that one, um, like the last fortress or something where there's an upside down American flag. I don't remember what it was called. I'm going to start naming Oscar nominees. Gosford Park. No. In the Bedroom. No. Beautiful Mind. No. Okay. Um, 
Spider-Man was not delayed, even though it had the World Trade Center in its thing. Gosford was Park was very, very sensitive, very timely to yes, the events of 9-11. I couldn't watch it for at least three years after 9-11. <laughs> well, you also get points for just any movie released in September 2001, so Gosford Park isn't that bad, what I guess. What the hell were we actually doing? I don't know. Am I out of time? I know time? one. Well, Zoolander. David, you're, you're, you're thinking All right, David, go. go. Zoolander. No, I, don't, I want my own question, damn it. No, no, no. You everybody get, gets this question. Oh, shit. Uh... Oh, God, I wish I had been paying attention. I thought this was just for you guys. All right, well, Zoolander is definitely one. Yes. Um, I just remembered another one. I think I know. Uh, well, that's good. There's a second I mean, the last, the last castle, which Katie may have misstated. Damn it! That's what it was. I'm going to claim that point. <laughs> the last uh, fortress. I was yeah, so close. Oh, you're wrong. Um, huh. Hmm. Hmm. I think that's all I got. I knew this at one point. Time. All right. Patches, you ready to go? Um, <sighs> you better not mute your microphone to bring up the Wikipedia page. No, I still can only think of Collateral Damage because that was a big movie. Uh, movies that came out in September 2001. Uh, no, Lord of the Rings came out later that year, didn't it? September. Who? Uh, Resident they Evil. Uh, Resident Evil, the first one. I don't no. think we'd gotten there yet. Damn it. Yeah, we weren't there yet. Um, I have absolutely no idea. I bow. I bow out. Wah. All right. Katie, round two, go. Royal Tenenbaums. No. Gigli. No. Jersey Girl? No, we weren't there yet. Um, this was also a horrible year for American box office, by the way, that we didn't get worse until this year. So. Oh, Did yeah. You... Was that a mummy movie out that month? No, that would have been in the summer. Um, yeah, because September is such a terrible month for movies anyway. Um, there was Ten something. Seconds. The Seventh Day, that Arnold Schwarzenegger movie? No, that no. was later. Um, uh, Blair Witch Project 2. No. <laughs> Time. <laughs> That's awesome. All right, David, round two, go. More? I don't have any more. Uh, you could if, just if, you could just time you could just time out. And if I had, if I knew them, I would have named them the first round. Uh, let's see. If you see. could name the one movie that was canceled because of the World Trade oh, Center. Can- attacks, I mean, it was, you when, when you say it was canceled, you mean it was made and never came out, or its production was canceled? It was greenlit and outright canceled because of its subject matter. Hmm. Greenlit and then outright. Ten seconds. Oof. I, uh, hmm. Hmm. And hmm. time. That movie was a Jackie Chan movie where he <laughs> was to play a window washer on the World Trade Center. Oh, yeah. It was called Nosebleed. Oh, I thought I remembered them shooting Ooh. when that happened. I think they were. Weren't they shooting when that happened? Or like they. They were in the middle of production was, and hadn't I'm, gone that day. Why did they or resurrect were that project? That's a real winner. <laughs> Jackie Chan is a window washer. Hilarious. I'm so, now pulling up Box Office Mojo just so I can see uh, this. Box <laughs> Office Mojo? Does that even exist anymore? All right, it does. does. <laughs> you won with five points. Oh, yes. <laughs> because you named Delayed postponed movies, movies oh, instead so. of movies that came out. That's a good strategy Finally if won. we ever play this horrible, horrible game again. Kill you all. <laughs> I'm crazy. So, Halloween is coming up. I don't know if you guys have noticed. At least, you know, candy's on sale, so we're all going to get super fat. Um, Looking that's a forward weird, to it. That's a weird way to start the segment. I've been doing a lot of research recently about universal horror monsters, uh, specifically because Dracula Untold came out and sort of is going to get 
retroactively applied to the Universal Horror Monster Unified Universe that Universal has, uh, gonna, was supposedly going to start with 2016's Mummy, but apparently if Dracula Untold does well, it's which doing it's not well. really doing. No, it's, it, it is. is. It is doing well. Yeah, I think it did. I think it did At least well. around okay. the world where it counts. Well, guys, say hello to your new ba- brand of Universal Horror Monsters. Great. Between that, rewriting the origin story of Dracula uh, in a way that really is only hinted at in the book and not at all spelled out and certainly not where he like gets his powers from a Bill Nighy in a cave or however that happens. Um, and then also um, the Frankenstein movie called Frankenstein coming out with James McAvoy and Daniel Radcliffe, where I read somewhere someone writing that it's going to be more of the Igor that Mary Shelley intended. And I had to wring my hands because there is no Igor in Frankenstein. There's an assistant called Fritz in the 1931 movie, but Igor doesn't show up until he's played by Bella Lugosi in like the fourth Frankenstein movie. Max Landis diss. Because they tried to hang him. And it didn't work, which maybe will be the backstory of Bit. So is this segment just won't. an excuse for you to for you to lord it over Max Landis? Which no, is well, perfectly I mean, valid. Perfectly valid. I, mean, I would love if that's what everybody remembers from this segment, but you know, I that's that's not the purpose behind it. I was also watching a video by PBS Ideas channel that was talking about once again whether Slender Man is the internet's first folklore. And I've been very interested in how movies have shaped sort of traditionally monster fears, like being afraid of sex or serial killers or wolves or what have you, and sort of morph these into these mythologies that we're sort of endlessly recycling. And then every once in a while, a movie comes along and adds something to the mythology that brings out a new side of these monsters and sort of reinvigorates them, Uh, whether that be, you know, Twice, I guess just with vampires, you could just run through and talk about each time that it like comes up. We have like Dracula in like '39. We have the Hammer films coming out in like the '70s, correct? We have uh, Interview with a Vampire. What are they adding back though? In the what, are they, what did the Hammer ones change from the old Universal Dracula? Well, they call the the new Universal Dracula. The, they basically treated the Universal Dracula sort of as canon. They were slightly retelling of those stories, so it reinforced the differences between the Bram Stoker novel and sort of like the uh, classic version of the Count that we all now think of. And they triggered the re-release of um, the whole Universal things, which sort of kickstarted the second wave of Universal monsters that uh, gave us cool. I don't know, monster mashups, which is like maybe where this whole idea of these monsters fighting each other came about that is then propagated in things like Underworld or I, Frankenstein, where it's like suddenly these two things hate each other. Or Twilight, I don't know. I don't know exactly who gave us werewolves versus vampires. I haven't been able to figure that out in my research, but I'm pretty sure it was the movies. I, Frankenstein was a real movie? Yeah, it was a real movie. He fought gargoyles. Frankenstein hates gargoyles. I'm confused by I, Frankenstein, and Dracula Untold existing in this world, but that's... They don't. They don't exist in the same worlds. Well, no, but like in (laughs) in the world that we are in. Reality. That is uh, our reality. Uh, Do we live in the same I, Frankenstein definitely doesn't. Do we live in the I, Frankenstein universe or the Dracula Which one is my world? (laughs) Dave, I don't understand why we can't have monster movies today like why don't these why does it have to be dracula untold why or do we have them no one makes not even like again i'm bashing american horror all over this episode but people don't really make monster movies today do they i mean godzilla 
operated like a monster movie. And then again, people hated Godzilla, not us. Well, but. I think the slasher movie is a riff on a monster movie. It's just focusing on different things like showing Americans gore where, you know, a lesser, not a lesser movie, but a movie set earlier in cinematic history would maybe get more flack for like over-sexualizing things than it would for, you know, cutaways of supposed gore. So I would think that like slashers are monsters like Freddy Krueger and Jason and uh, to a certain degree, I guess, Ghostface from Scream, even though I hear he's not going to be in the TV series because there's a rights dispute, which sounds really weird. So Scream's going to have to become about something else. It's going to have to transform its monster, bringing it back. There you go. But yeah, I don't know. Do you don't do you don't see slasher films as monsters? No, not especially today. Um, and I don't. I'm going back to Jezebel again, this movie about this girl gets in a car accident and she's paralyzed and she's in rehab and learning to walk again. She goes home to her dad's house and there's a ghost in the house. Of course, why not? There should be a ghost in the house. Um, and then she starts undercovering all this voodoo stuff. It all just seems like window dressing and it doesn't really boil down to a real monster. It's presence. Um, there's too much exposition in horror movies today. I don't remember watching like the old Frankenstein movies or Wolfman. It all seemed very simple. I guess that's problematic of all movies well, today, uh, just, but it seems like just, indie indie films should be kind of picking up the monster slack. I think one of my favorite monster movies of, of, of late was uh, Splinter. Did you ever see Splinter from a few, a few years back? It was kind of like The Thing at a gas station it came out in 2008 no, it, and it's this kind of spindly monster thing that doesn't have a face but it's it looks like an, an amorphous porcupine <laughs> very scary Whoa, very scary, very scary. Um, i mean i could i could hazard a guess that what you're talking about in terms of why you're looking to indie movies to give you monsters that you want is because we i'm not sure we ever really got out of the period where cgi was being so overused for just like we're going to have lots of monsters or monsters that don't move in possible ways that like we never really it's there aren't but a handful of directors i think that would know how to handle a monster when they have literally every option of how to use the monster open to them like it takes oh. a certain craft although don't you see people kind of learning how to do that and i don't watch that many monster movies but in terms of learning how not to show the the creature i think people are learning that kind of more and more the more of these movies they make godzilla being a really interesting example of like you've got this beautifully constructed monster but you learn how not to show it off like there's definitely people are learning that lesson at least a little bit yeah but the old universal monster movies didn't worry about that they weren't the proto alien or something they're all monster movies today are all riffing on alien they're all doing that i feel like not showing the monster in this kind of slow reveal or they're all chasing that um universal monsters were hey here's frankenstein's monster and he's gonna run around this town all the whole movie or the wolfman he's gonna change right off the bat and he's gonna terrorize people and he has to solve his emotional problem by the end of the movie or dracula he's popping up everywhere there was nothing I about mean, like reveals there it was it was theatrical in its scares and they're all sort of the universal monsters have a grand like history of tragedy like the technically the monster series started off with like hunchback of notre dame and phantom of the opera and then it makes it makes complete sense that it sort of ends around creature from the black lagoon which is also you know a sort of a sad monster thing that just so wants to be understood but if you look at something like that movie 
it's billed as sci-fi and the creature's hand is always popping out with the theme music like from two minutes in and then everything else is sort of like look at our fancy underwater photography set against essentially the Phantom of the Opera storyline. So it's like there's a balance between when you're not showing the monster, it's because your movie is about claustrophobia and being in space if you're doing Alien. It's not that not seeing the monster is cool. It's that the monster has to work for what the monster's saying, and I'm not sure that people use that anymore. It's Mm -hmm. more like, let's do a prequel of Frankenstein and put James McAvoy and Daniel Radcliffe in it. So that way we don't have to show Frankenstein's monster and make all this lip service to being sort of about mm. the novel. But it's it's not really. I'm not sure what Frankenstein's going to end up being, if it's going to end up being a horror movie, if it's more like a this weird relationship movie that I'm not Well, it's probably to not going to be kitschy, and I think that's what good monster movies have and what we lack today. We don't... Kitsch is not really part of the equation of, of mainstream Hollywood or indie films. Everyone wants to be a great movie in some ways. And I think the Universal Frankenstein, Universal Dracula had that kitsch element, especially Dracula with all the like sexual tension there and, and just like walking around with the cape and like sulking everywhere. Uh, it's so kitschy. And the 70s kind of destroyed that, right? I mean, everything got so serious in the 70s, including horror movies and thank god for the 80s and stuff uh i was gonna just mention the stuff have you ever seen the 1985 film the stuff it's not really a uh, monster movie i guess but it's just about goop that's like following people and it's so kitschy and again after the 80s we kind of trickled out it became all about jason and freddy sequels and stuff and they're not those are too serious again hmm I guess, well, what about something like... Oh, we need see, Peter Jackson to do monster movies again. We need... Really? Like three-hour monster movies about, like, I don't know. What would he pick? He'd pick, like, Grendel or something. He'd be like, no one's done Grendel no. justice with no, a three-hour No, he's talking movie. about the old-school Peter Jackson. I'm talking Meet the Feebles. Oh, or... He's dead. He's yeah, dead. That, that guy isn't doing anything. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but he was so good at it because he got the comedy... Uh, and then now he's Mr. Lovely Bones and The Hobbit. You're right. Well, I mean, I was having that argument with somebody when, you know, the endless talks of let's reboot Gremlins comes up, and I'm like, well, which Gremlins are they rebooting? Are they rebooting Gremlins 1 or Gremlins 2? Are they rebooting the kind of movie where I'm supposed to be kind of freaked out and laughing at the fact that a guy dressed in a Santa costume got stuck in some girl's chimney? Or am I in the movie where they laugh because also some guy dressed as Abe Lincoln got stuck on her chimney on Abe Lincoln's birthday. You know, like, what, what version of the Gremlins is going to serve this idea no, of Gremlins No, the new better? version of the Gremlins would be actual evil creatures who rip people apart and you run away from them. It would be the Michael Bay Platinum Dunes Gremlins. Yeah. There's no, I mean, unless you had uh, the, the Cabin in the Woods team behind a Gremlins remake, I can't really imagine something that would be funny as, as well as terrifying. Um, because you, t- you take something like Leprechaun, right? Which is a really funny movie. <laughs> Just Warwick Davis chasing Jennifer Aniston around for an hour and a half. And then you distill it down today and it, like uh, WWE gets its hands on it. And suddenly the Leprechaun movie doesn't have a freaking Leprechaun in it. There is no stupid Leprechaun character in this new movie. And it doesn't make any sense. It's supposed to be funny. Monster <laughs> well, movies are that- supposed to be funny. Isn't that also in the grand tradition oh, of bad horror that suddenly there's no leprechaun in the leprechaun movie? 
Isn't it the troll two of everybody's life? I will also make the case, <laughs> sight unseen, that the fact that the WWE made a leprechaun movie that does not have a leprechaun well, you... is in and of itself funny. <laughs> That's true. They could have gotten the Miz, man. They could have gotten a wrestler. To that, play. The guy from actually, the real they world. got Hornswoggle, but he's dressed up as a like a uh, from a beast. Harry Potter. No Hornswoggle, Hornswoggle and a... his guide to mysterious beasts. <laughs> <laughs> We're going on an Patrick, adventure, Harry. What? In terms of in terms of last monsters, you I just introduced you to the species story through talking about this, this podcast. Wait, yeah, can which, you elaborate on this for people? Because I had never heard this. So the first sighting of what we would call a chupacabra was by a woman in I want to say Florida, but that's just because we made so much fun of Florida. They uh, deserve this it. Episode. We're just gonna give them the chupacabra. Here you go. Who had just seen the movie Species, and if you read her description back of the first Chupacabra, is describing Syl from Species. So she just looked out in the night and saw this shadowy character, and because it was so weirdly and widely reported, and probably because she was Hispanic. It was Puerto Rico, uh, by the way. Puerto Rican. Puerto Rico. Sorry. Florida. Close enough. I'm sorry. Sorry, Puerto Rico. You're like a state. Um, They're a commonwealth. So really... (laughs) Species made like the last uh, urban myth in the pre-internet generation, and it was a movie that was like about flipping weird American sexuality on its face in horror movies, and somehow gave us a Mexican goat sucker. That is, yeah, that is insane. Also, Species is not a good movie. So, what a legacy. Species is an okay movie. Species 2 is a horror But maybe movie. this is the perfect example that, you know, monster movies, if they trickled out, if, if Species in the mid-90s were the end of kind of classic, quote-unquote, monster movies, or at least ones with, like, real monsters that spent a whole movie chasing you, uh, maybe, as you mentioned earlier, that something like Slender Man, an internet myth, ends up taking the place of, of monster movies. We're better at conjuring our own monsters based on the dark, uh, dreary areas of Reddit uh, and whatever's going on there than anything. That, that... Those are the real monsters. Yeah, I was going to say. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, what ah, if we're... real monsters. Yeah, Gamergate is our uh, monster movie right now. Oh, that you should make a horror film about uh, a woman just being followed by <laughs> Gamergate. <laughs> Played by Warwick minutes. Davis. <laughs> Played by Warwick Davis. And then at the oh, end, man. it's like the end of Don't Look Now. They turn him around and he goes, it's about ethics and gaming journalism. And then it cuts to black. Ah! <laughs> Let's <laughs> start Friday. a Kickstarter. I can get this movie made by Friday. Patches, I think you're onto something in the sense that I think that why we see so much fluctuation in these classic characters is that like everybody has a base for what they think Dracula is. And so therefore, it's really easy to try to make them more malleable to a cultural manifestation like slender man is where it seems like it just sort of needed to happen not that it was a great creation by a single creative mind it's like we're gonna i i like to think that we're in an age now at least with stuff like vampires where we're kind of like get it back from twilight we're like no these are like things to fear not things to talk about marriage about like we need to have our monsters back but i think that also goes in a cycle right so like we make something really scary gets shown to us on film and we filter through that in any way that we can and usually the way to do that is to make it funny and drive it into the ground both because Hollywood works and sequelizing and that's how you deal with fear but then we try to bring it back by sort of like twisting it a little bit 
and putting something on top of it. I guess this is, it comes back to imagery and why a freak show, American Horror Story freak show, seems very successful to me. Uh, I think of something like Francis Ford Coppola's Dracula movie, and that is just like overflowing with mood and energy and, and mystique. It's so fucking weird. Um, and you couldn't see, no one would make a movie that operatic out of the Dracula character today. He would be fighting, I don't know what happens in Dracula Untold. It looks like he's just punching people in the face and slicing them with swords. That's not... He's turning into bats. Yeah, and floating around as a bat. Um, but Dracula is is like a stage show in some ways. It's really all about the mood. It's about the mise-en-scene, to take uh, Katie, well, Katie's patches. word. Yeah, Funny you right. should bring that up. <laughs> I got paid a dollar when you said Oh, my. <laughs> New history lesson. Dracula actually is a direct stage show that was adapted um, very loosely, except for stuff that they curbed from uh, Nosferatu. So they took the stage show, Nosferatu. and in between the scene changes, yeah, excuse they took... me. On this podcast, when you Nosferatu. say Nosferatu, you have to remix <laughs> yeah. it. Francis Ford Coppola style. But yeah, and so that's why things like Dracula turns into a bat, not because that's like a major part in the major in a Mary Shelley story, in the Mary Shelley story, the Bram Stoker story, but because that was a great theatrical effect where you could put a bat on a string and wave it through some mist, and suddenly your man would become a bat. Wow. And now That's he becomes awesome. thousands of bats because we get to do it in a computer. But, like, once again, not really important that a vampire becomes a bat. It's not really something that we associate with vampires often just because we hate bats. I keep, I'm, I'm very into your idea about changing these characters over time and somehow remaining or, or clinging to what makes them classic. And I think that's what the Wolfman the Benicio del Toro Wolfman Oof. movie tried to do. Yeah, that's bad. I was I was originally going to say that we failed the Wolfman because that's Ooh. like the classic monster movie or trying to do the old school Universal stuff. But that movie it definitely is was. bad. That movie it's got mangled. Terrible. I think, uh, oh God, who was supposed to direct that? I mean, Joe Mark Johnson. Mark Romanek. Yeah, Mark Romanek wanted to do something more classic. But he had to direct a Taylor Swift music video. Yes, Planned that thing for four years. He may have never let me go in there somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> yes, he did. <laughs> uh, but yeah, something like the Wolfman, clearly people, I mean, Benicio Del Toro loves that character so much, wants that practical makeup and wants this to just be one man's plight battling against his inner demons. Um, and so, for some reason it couldn't be. It had to be bloated by the studios. So we clearly don't live in a world. that Every discussion we have on the podcast ends this way. Uh, we don't live in a world where you can make these kind of classic movies as we envision them. Well, see, yeah. the thing is, I think it's I think it's there if anybody were to look at it. Like I, for instance, just listened to audio from the Academy of Motion Picture Sciences of Lon Chaney's son talking about why he thought the Wolfman was his favorite character for the exact reasons you described, where he's a sad character who changes into the Wolfman and spends the rest of the time basically asking people to chain him up or kill him because he can't stand being a monster. So it's like the the pathos is there and what made all these movies work is there. I'm not sure that what needs to be done is to make them like the Avengers where they're just going around punching people and turning into bats. Everything has up. to be like the Avengers, Dave. Well, Dave, I wanted to ask you as someone who kind of watches your favorite comics come to the screen in a lot of ways and you you seem kind of laissez-faire about being like, well, this is different from the comics, but it does its own thing. Like, does the fact that you that these monsters are coming back even if you don't think the Avengers style thing is right for them, is it exciting to you that they're going to be out there at all? Yes, because I think it's a refresh. Like, Universal Monsters have been around for almost 100 years. 
and have seen a lot of iterations. And I'm really interested that they're bringing back something that I thought was classic about them, which is they would all meet under ridiculous circumstances, like House of Dracula, like everyone has to stop the Hunchback and the Wolfman. Um, I'm interested in seeing versions of that. I don't know if I want them to be part camp or all serious. That's the weird thing. But I'm happy that these characters are around because like Patches and I were talking about, I think it's like kicking the frame of a wooden house to like set it, settle it a little bit. We got to kick the frame every couple of years if we want to keep Dracula and Frankenstein and all these monsters classic. I have no. So it's that or making a, jo- a Roger Corman style Fantastic Four movie to yeah. hang on to everybody. Exactly. I mean, we already like. I'm very happy that we survived the Brendan Fraser mummy. Like it made a lot of mum- money, but the, like they're not treating it as sacrosanct because that could have been a really stupid studio decision. Like, well, we rebooted that okay, so let's bring that back. I'm at least hopeful that somebody is treating this with the respect that it could deserve and knows that monsters can be amazing cinema if they're echoing the reason that they're in the movie. I just don't know how they'll do Creature of the Black Lagoon. That's what I want. I want a new Creature of the Black Lagoon movie. Not like a, a, a sea creature that has tentacles and grabs people, but like something that climbs out of the swamp and attacks people. He should look the exact same. That yeah. that design is classic. Same with Frankenstein. They need to yeah, I like- got I it's it's going to take a lot to get me excited about a new Frankenstein movie. I got to be honest. I know uh, I I'm a little bit, you know, of course I know nothing about the project. I don't have any idea what the script is like. Um I couldn't even tell you who's directing it off the top of my head, but uh Daniel Radcliffe making a Frankenstein movie, even if it's about Igor, it's sort of baffling to me. I think that story is sort of uh, best left, at least cinematically, I mean, where where it was told or, or appropriated this, by other movies like it was in The Spirit of the Beehive or something. But This is next year, and I almost guarantee you, by the way they're talking about it, that these two will make out in the movie, and it'll be really awkward. Igor and Frankenstein? It looks like they might be going in that direction, man. James wow. McAvoy I mean, and Daniel Radcliffe, awesome. really close college That's... buddies who are talking about the origins of life. I... I feel good about that under basically all circumstances other than Igor and Frankenstein. I have difficulty believing that that will happen, but I certainly support it. I think maybe they want you to think it will happen. So well, can... otherwise, why tell this story? Why make a prequel to Frankenstein when I, I there is no you're, Frankenstein? I think you're probably making a leap. But again, I don't know anything about the film. I'm just, I, 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 my, it's just not, I love the, I love, uh, you know, like the James Whale films and stuff like that. I'm just not, not into, uh, make new shit. Not into it. Yeah. Well, I'm going to end this segment by betting you $5 that they kiss in that movie. When does it come out? Uh, 2015. I hope it's exactly like Kill Your Darlings, but with Frankenstein (laughs) monsters. No, but it has to be, it has to be kissing passionately and i'm not going to insist that there's tongue because i don't know if frankenstein's tongue works or dr frankenstein or whatever the they're, they're, fuck. yeah jake okay. uh, they're yeah, just like the college students all right but like uh yeah so so but it, if there isn't tongue it has to be at least what a panel of uh unbiased listeners would define as passionately all right everybody keep this in mind when this movie comes out keep an eye on those tongues money what, at stake the, yeah is there money at stake what's the stake I'll give him five to twenty dollars. We'll five? see how's it. He we'll can give me this he, bills. I'll, I'll take twenty and I'll give him five. I was gonna say one of you has to organize next quarter quell, but that's uh, actually well, I mean whatever. That lets you two off the point. hook. 
<laughs> well, I mean, that, that also this movie doesn't come out until next year, and That's we have true. a quarter quill in five, what, four weeks, five weeks. All right, yeah. making money, you capitalist bastards. Yeah, monsters, spooktacular. I hope they that, did the mash. I hope that Doctor Frankenstein builds Igor a sex doll out of old parts and turns it into Frankenstein's monster, and they all like have a threesome together. Write that I movie, feel, Patches. Pitch to Universal. That, that's the real monster mash. You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> that does it for today's Fighting in the War Room Spooktacular. We'll be back with another spooky tale. Friday reviewing Saw the Anniversary. Just what? kidding. We're reviewing Nightcrawler. Uh, oh, can we review Saw the Anniversary? No, because I've never seen Saw, Saw and I never will. Really? Uh, oh, man, the, the plot twist really works. Yeah. But I hear it's all about Saws. Well, a Saw, but whatever, Katie. Anyway, uh, in the meantime, tell the people who you are. I'm Matt Patches. I write all over the place on the internet and try and put everything on mattpatches.com. And I'm on Twitter, at Mr. Patches. And remember, each week we post... These episodes on fightinginthewarroom.com and it gives you a place to comment and share them and uh, talk to us from there. So fightinginthewarroom.com. I'm David Ehrlich. I'm the editor at large of Little White Lies magazine. Uh, you can also find me writing on The Dissolve and Little White Lies website and Complex at the AV Club and The Playlist and others. Uh, and you can find me on Twitter at David Ehrlich and Criterion Corner. You can find all of us together on Facebook, Fighting in the Warroom. My name's Dave Gonzalez. I spell that D-A-V-G-O-N-Z-A-L-E-S. You go to ilovedavegonzalez.com and see everything I write on Twitter. D-A-V-G-O-N-Z-A-L-E-S. You just undid I know, you my, did it. my you spelling, did it much my better. name, everybody. I mean, you could find my name on the website and links to stuff. Also, Twitter, D-A-7-E. I put stuff up there, too. You could call us and... Hi, man. Contribute to the show however you want at this point at 914-410-6450. We maybe we'll have a voicemail spooktacular. Everything's a spooktacular. Sing nowadays. thriller to us. Definitely oh, man. If you can do the whole thriller, maybe I can layer I'd, all of you over. I'd say partial thriller, but all right. You can be picky. Um, I'm Katie Rich. You can find me at Vanity Fair's Hollywood with Joanna Robinson, who is just missing this week. She's not gone. Don't be worried. Listeners who only like Joanna. Um, you can also find me on Twitter at Katie Rich, K-A-T-E-Y-R-A-C-H. You can also find the entire podcast on Twitter at F-I-T-W-R. And you can answer this week's lightning round question, which was... What horror movie traumatized you in your youth? Thank you for listening, and we'll be back talking to you on Friday. Everybody floats, cause everybody floats. Everybody floats, cause everybody floats. Everybody floats, cause everybody floats. Everybody floats, cause everybody floats.